Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast, the podcast that is passing wisdom to the next generation of parents, coaches, and athletes to transform the next generation of young leaders. So in today's episode, we are interviewing Tyler LeClerc, and he is the founder of TLJ Training. And it's a really inspiring story. He's only 24 years old. He owns his own gym and talks about the process of learning about skill acquisition and the journey of you know being a young business owner. And so there's so much more to it. And I'm really excited to share this conversation. There is a few, you know, swear words. So just, you know, want to preface that, but you know, great episode. So without further ado. Hello and welcome to the Bridging Impact Podcast, Tyler. I am thrilled to have our conversation today to talk about how, as both of us basketball trainers, how we can impact the next generation of youth in the game of basketball. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. All right. So let's dive right into it. What was your experience like going from player to coach? I know from doing a brief little bit of research on you, you've always kind of been interested in skill development and you found yourself, you know, kind of transitioning after college ball, recognizing that maybe, you know, your calling wasn't necessarily so to be a player, but to give back the game and coach the game. So share what that experience was like for you. Yeah. So for me, it was a pretty smooth process just because I started training before I even stopped playing. So I w- I've always just been kind of interested in more specifically like the strength and conditioning stuff when I was younger. Um, yeah. My dad was a physical therapist. So ever since a young age, like he's always preaching the importance about stretching, strengthening, all this kind of stuff. So that kind of drew me into the interest of the strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning training. So then I started working with some of my teammates when I was in high school, trying to help them out and just exploring that kind of avenue myself. And then as I got a little older, I was more interested in the basketball. And then I just started training kids before I even finished playing. So once I got into college, picking that up even more, training high school kids, training teammates on my college team. And then as I was playing, I was just like, you know what? I kind of like the training thing more than I like the playing. So I just decided, you know what? I'm going to go all in on the training thing. And then once I stopped playing my freshman year, I decided, you know what? I'm going to drop out. I'm going all in on this training thing. So it, it was a pretty smooth process just because I had that experience before I even stopped. And then once I stopped playing, I knew 100% what I wanted to do. And I just dove in head first. Right. Can you talk about how that clarity really helped you kind of launch? Because I think that's a big challenge, at least, you know, for a lot of, you know, trainers or or entrepreneurs or coaches, you know, they're like, I kind of want to do this. I kind of want to do that. Um, Did it come from like, you know, different reflections or is it just something that kind of like felt right and natural for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it it was a lot of a mix of things just because, number one, I knew, all right, I kind of like training more than I like playing. And then the other part was I knew school wasn't really for me and I knew I didn't need school to do what I wanted to do so so the biggest thing for me was like I looked at time and money what's the best use of my time and money I knew for what I wanted to do if I want to run my own business basketball training whatever it is my money and my time is better spent not going to school so my my time and money was better spent investing into my own knowledge learning on my own because I can learn faster than if I was to just sit in a classroom wait for the pace of everything else And then I can also spend my money more efficiently on my own than spending it on college. I knew I was going to get a much higher ROI out of that. So for me, it was, it's not a simple decision. It's a tough decision, but it it was an obvious decision. It's not an easy one, but it was obvious for me. I knew, okay, if I want to do this thing, if I want to do it as fast as I possibly can, me sitting in college for three more years is just not going to be it. So just had to take the jump. 
Yeah, no, that's that's interesting, and I'm sure it took a, a quite a bit of courage because I'm sure you know whether it's your parents or the people in your circle are like you know like hey man you got to go to college right you got to do this you got to do that you got to follow this path right and I know for me as an entrepreneur sometimes you know you, you hear people in your ear like ah oh, get that get that regular you know steady mm-hmm. nine to five job you know so I definitely like can relate to like nah, I just want to go get it right now you know like right now I'm really investing in you know kind of the skill acquisition and that's kind of what I want to lead into you talked about how you know when I was doing research and when I'm, you know, kind of listening to what you're putting out there, you talk about the importance for trainers to learn about like psychology and skill acquisition and, and the me- mental skills side. Can you talk about what that journey was like um, to learn, you know, how to train players, how to teach players? Because I think that's something that I've worked with quite a bit of coaches and they know the game, but there's a difference between knowing the game and teaching the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was pretty obvious, like ha- the importance of skill acquisition, like for whatever reason there when i was kind of starting it wasn't a focus like i never heard anyone talking about it it was funny because like I, I just made a video about this the other day so i was looking back at one of my notebooks when i was so i think it was 2019 2018 so right when i was finishing school getting into training i wrote down what are the five most important skills that i need as a trainer to start to develop so i looked at okay obviously basketball iq we need to, we need to know the game every every trainer knows that we got to know the game we got to know sets we got to know plays we got to know moves and then I was like, okay, the next one's communication. So I got to be able to talk really well, right? And for me, I was not good at that. So one thing I would do is like, okay, if I need to work on that, one thing I started doing was just reading a book out loud, practicing, just literally just talking, right? And then that would right. be something I'm focusing on in my session. So I'm constantly trying to get better at that. And then the next thing I was like, actually getting players better. So what goes into that? Okay, how do we learn skills? Okay, then I got down that whole rabbit hole. So just started reading a shit ton of books on that, trying to apply it. And then the, the fourth thing was just like psychology, like I said, how do players think? How do players learn? When they're struggling, what are they thinking? The more you can step inside the mind of the player that you're working with, the better that you can help them and guide them to where they want to go. And then the fifth one was just kind of like the physiology of everything, right? Bone structures, muscles, how those muscles are being worked out during sessions, and I already kind of had a background on that because I was originally going for the strength conditioning. My dad was a PT, so I knew a lot about that. So for me, those are like the five main pillars of a good trainer. You need to know all of those things. Most trainers, like you were just saying, like they just know the game. And that's just simply not enough. If you want to help players, you got to know way more than that. You got to know the science. You got to know the physiology. You got to know the psychology. And you got to be able to communicate it. So you got to put all of those things together. And that's something that I think I caught on early. And that's I've spent a large majority of my time trying to purposely develop all five of those skills. Yeah, I would love to let, you know, kind of know a little bit more like the minute, you know, process, like what books and resources were really helpful and instrumental for you when you were learning these five, you know, important traits. Mm -hmm. So I'd say one is really good is Language of Coaching by Nick Winkleman. Um, Might have mispronounced his last name, but um, another one is Constraints-Led Approach. Another one is... I have a whole bookshelf here behind me. Yeah, I um, see it. What else we got? Um, skill acquisition in sport. That's a really good one. Um, dynamics of skill acquisition. That's another really good one. Um, talent code, culture code. Those are all some, some really decent ones. But it's just like one book's going to lead you to another. So when you read right. books, a lot of books reference other books. So, yeah. okay, I started on the simple books and they recommended the more complex books. And I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to keep buying fucking books and keep reading them. Um, right. And then now we ended up here. So worked out. 
Yeah, no, I love it. It's just kind of that continuous cycle and just kind of always being hungry to learn more. And now exactly. you, you've been in it here for, you know, three to five years, you got your own gym now. Can you talk about how learning is still an important process for you to continue to grow as a trainer? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing just in general, in terms of the business side is you're going to make money in proportion to the value that you bring. And the more valuable you are as a person, the more you're able to make. So a big thing that I learned like early on was like, the more you earn, the more you learn. It's not obviously a direct correlation, you need to translate it. But just like the more valuable you are, the more money you can essentially demand and people will be willing to pay. So for me, I was just always like, you know what, the more I know, the more that I learn, the more value that I can bring, the more money that I can make and just the more I can help kids. You know what I mean? Like, if my knowledge is limited, I can only help kids so much, I can only take them so far. The more I know, the right. further I can take these players, the more diverse players that I can work with, and the more consistent those results are going to be. So I just knew that early on, like, I just got to keep learning. And for me, I'm just a pretty curious person in general. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm curious in a lot of different things. But you just got to keep learning, because the second you get stagnant, everything else gets stagnant. And the second you start to fall behind. So if you're not growing, you're, you're honestly going backwards. Yeah, 100%. There's no such thing as staying flatline and staying the yeah. same. You're either, you know, kind of like learning, reflecting, making mistakes and like, you know, learning new things or, you know, you're getting complacent. You're like, ah, I know enough. But then, mm -hmm. you know, we got other, you know, people coming in that are hungry and, and want to continue to grow and get better. And, you know, I want to kind of, you know, rewind a little bit kind of to what we were talking about when you were first, you know, learning and what was it first like, you know, when you were trying to, you know, get clients coming in and, and grow your brand and grow your awareness. I know you're working on different clinics, but mm -hmm. talk about that, like, you know, first step of marketing yourself and getting yourself out there and, you know, maybe how much time did it take, give or take? Yeah, I think like when I was first starting, um, it was just doing a lot of stuff for free, trying to work with higher level players and just show that, I can provide value. So I take a D division one kid, I'd be like, Hey, let's work out for free. I'm just going to show you how good of a trainer I am. And I would just give my absolute all to that session. Like if it was a D one kid, if it was D two, D three, any film that I can get on that kid, I'm studying. So there was a couple like division one kids that I had where I'd study like 10 to 20 hours of film on that one kid before I even stepped into the session. So like one of the kids I was training was like a Boston college kid. And I came in and like he didn't know I did any of the research on him, but I was like, yeah, you seem to like, you shoot like a lot lower percentage when you do this. And like, you tend to make mistakes in these situations. And I was so specific with my feedback that he was like, oh shit, like, yeah. like you actually know what you're talking about. You actually put in your homework. So that's like a good way to start getting those kids. But just the biggest thing that I took pride in was just doing a great job. Like anything that I could do for that kid that I was doing. And when you have a really good product, when they see that you really care, and you're delivering value, then they'll stay and then they'll tell other people. And then that's how you slowly grow. Word of mouth is obviously the, the best form of marketing for pretty much any business, but especially in this business. And it just comes down to doing a good job. You do a good job, people are going to start talking about you. Yeah, 100%. And, and you talk about, you know, the, the film of it being prepared right like in doing a great job but mm -hmm. doing a great job starts before the session right you know whether doesn't matter if you are in a basketball business training business or as a teacher right that preparation mm -hmm. that gets you ready to you know give exactly what that player needs in that moment and you know i know that you train you know players that are from beginners to pros so i'm curious you know how do you prepare differently you know obviously for those that are beginners um mm -hmm. differently than those that are you know, professionals, college players. Yeah. So with the younger kids, for me, the preparation was all the studying that I've already done. 
So just the knowledge that I already have and being able to deliver that is kind of the preparation just because I know, okay, if I have a younger kid, this is the, this is the plan of development. This is the plan of attack. If you have a younger kid, you don't have to be as specific. You can be a lot, lot more broad. You're trying to build these general coordination skills, all of this stuff. The older you get, the more specific you want to be with your plan of attack. If I have a high school kid, maybe it's a little broader. We're working on two, three things um, that are going to elevate the game. And then as you get up in that rank, like a pro player, it might be one kind of specific thing that we're trying to work on. Like one of my guys, maybe it's just using the three-point line more. He tends to step on the line. He shoots deep twos. Let's make that threes. If we really improve that throughout the whole offseason, that's going to make a big difference in his game. Just because he's so set in his ways, his position is locked in, his style of play is locked in. So I can't come in and just be like, yo, we're just going to throw everything out the window at 25 years old for the player and just completely scrap everything. Like you can't do that. Versus a young kid, you can be a lot more broad. So the preparation is very different. Like I said, like older pro players, that's studying film, that's learning tendencies, that's learning their movement patterns, kind of diving into what they think, how they think. Versus the young guys, it's just like, let's just go out and play. Let's have fun. Let's make sure they love the game. And let's just make sure we're obviously getting a little bit better moving in the right direction. Yeah, 100%. And I think one of the things that we were talking about a little bit before on this um, podcast was talking about how, you know, sometimes trainers are training, you know, especially the, I'm thinking about the young kids because that's def, the, like the target audience that I'm yeah. typically working with. They, they train them to have such a deep bag, but then they don't end up having a feel for the game. And I know I've watched mm -hmm. some of your content about you, to, you know, helping, you know, young players develop like a feel for a game and be able to make reads and, mm -hmm. you know, building that high basketball IQ. Does that come from, you know, only basketball sessions or do you send them videos? Like how do you help develop basketball IQ in younger players? I think the biggest thing is just letting them play. Like most trainers, like you were saying, they're trying to develop the bag. They're trying to learn all these moves. Like most of it comes down to understanding space, understanding how to move within the offense, understanding when to shoot, when not to shoot. Like that's a large majority of it. So you can learn that just by kind of putting them in situations and letting them just rock out. Like, yeah, the moves, the moves will come, but they'll oftentimes learn them on their own. They don't even need, they'll learn that by just watching YouTube and going out in the, right. their backyard and trying it. Like they don't need you to tell them every little detail, but what they need because they oftentimes don't get enough of nowadays is just organize somewhat structured play. Like, Hey, let's play three on three. You get one dribble every time you touch the ball. That's going to teach them movement. That's going to teach them spacing. That's going to teach, teach them shot selection. That's going to teach them the reads. Okay, if this guy's closing out, I got one dribble to try to go by him. This guy moves here, I'm going to pass. Like, they're learning all of these things subconscious. They don't need you to teach them the fucking punch sidestep at seven years yeah. old. They don't need it. No, like, no, they don't. They're going to learn it anyways. And most of the time, half these players get burnt out because you're trying to teach them such a deep bag that they just don't love basketball anymore. Like, they're 10, 12 years old. They don't need to know this stuff. Um, and I think that's sometimes part of the problem is just like, understanding that kids are kids they want to have fun and then if they get older and they're really curious they really want to know the stuff you can teach them but if you just hammer these moves into their head make training super boring analytical at a young age they're just going to fall out of love with the game and all that training went to shit because they don't even play anymore 100 percent. and that, the most important part to, for me for when i'm training and working with you know younger younger kids especially like younger than high school let's mm -hmm. let the hopefully get them to love the game of basketball so they keep playing exactly. let's be honest you know we're both not playing anymore but we still love the game we're still giving mm -hmm. back to the game and we want them to have positive relationships whether they're going to be a trainer or a coach or not you know mm -hmm. hopefully that they will stay physically active and um you know 
play basketball as a sport, as a hobby to stay in shape, you know, once they're done, because they had such a positive experience when they were younger. And that's something that I've been, you know, really big on. And I'm curious, you know, how do you, you know, talk about, you know, building that, you know, off the court impact as well as on the court impact with those Mm -hmm. that you work with. Yeah. So, I mean, like you were saying, like, especially the younger guys, I just want to make sure they, they enjoy the game. And the big thing is just trying to build a relationship. Like as a trainer, as a person that, is interacting with these kids on a weekly basis, some of them multiple times a week, I'm able to help kind of just shape their perspective, not only on basketball, but on the world in general. So I try to influence them in the most positive way that I possibly can in as many different ways, depending on the kid, right? Like I have some kids where I talk about like, hey, once you're done playing basketball, like say you walked out of this gym today and you couldn't play basketball again, what would you do with your life? And most of them have never even thought about that. And then now I'm able to kind of help them just think a little bit different. And some of them are like, hey, like, I I love basketball, but I don't think I want to play when I get to college. I'm like, okay, what do you want to do? Like what? And I kind of kind of help shape them, figure out what they even want to do with their lives. Like some of them, I'm like, what do you want to do? They're like, oh, I have no idea. I'll just go to school for business. But I'm like, okay, what do you like to do? And then I kind of help them figure out like, hey, I like doing this. I'm going to try to go for this job or I'm going to try to start my own business doing this. And like, because I started my own business, I didn't necessarily go to college. I'm an example of, hey, like you don't need to do the traditional thing. If you have a passion, you can go and chase it. I'm the example for them. And I just try to be the inspiration. If the kid needs inspiration, I'm the guy who can keep them on track, keep them motivated, keep them disciplined. Like, hey, I see you're hanging out with these kids. It's not necessarily good. Maybe try to come do go hang out with different kids, right? So there's a lot of different ways that I can influence kids in a positive way. And that's really all I try to be. If the kid needs motivation, I can be the motivation. If they need someone to just be stern with them, I can be that. If someone needs like a big brother figure, I can be that as well. So really it's just making sure the kids love the game, make sure the kids love coming to train. They love the process. And then I can just hopefully, you know, influence them in a positive light. And I love everything that you're saying because you're kind of without saying it, you're saying you're, you're meeting the kids where they're at and you're meeting your athletes where they're at. You're meeting the, you know, the humans where they're at, right? Whether they're young players all the way up to professionals, right? Professionals probably need different coaching, different training, mm-hmm. and just being able to honestly just listen and understand, you know, where they are at in their lives and asking those questions and recognizing that, you know, you're kind of talking about the art of coaching, not necessarily the science and the technicality, mm-hmm. right? What do, what do these players need right now in this moment? Exactly. Exactly. And for a lot of the kids, it's just like teaching them what hard work is, teaching them it's okay to mess up. Because I've had a lot of kids who just because of the way their life structure, they have really strict parents, school's really strict. They're afraid to make mistakes on the court. And I'm like, hey, that's going to translate to life. Like, if you're so scared to make a mistake here, what do you think is going to happen when you go in life? You're not going to take risks. You're not going to go travel because you're afraid of everything. So some some kids, it's just been like, hey, like, this is a, this is a safe space. It's okay to mess up. That's the only way you learn. And even just that for them can like completely change the way that they live their lives. But 100%, it's about meeting them where you're at. I think a lot of coaches, whether it's the skill thing and just the mental thing, they just try to pound their their specific message, their specific way of doing things to that player. And it's all it's all about meeting the player where they're at, giving them what they need, exactly like you said. Yeah, and you know, you make a, a really good point that I I believe, you know, how I train my philosophy probably similar is like I don't want the the my the athletes that are, you know, playing for me or training with me to be fearful of of making a mistake trying to do something. Now, I don't want them, you know, for the 
team that I'm coaching to do silly one-handed passes all the mm-hmm. time, a mistake that they can control, right? Mm-hmm. But I want them, you know, I think specifically probably what we're talking about is I want them to push themselves out of their comfort zones, you know, whether it's, you know, some ball handling, they make a mistake, I'm like, yes, you know, that mm-hmm. means that shows me that you are pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and and teaching them how to work hard and, and make those mistakes because I think sometimes this is one of the first things that I learned as a coach. I would just tell them to do something. I knew how to do it but I didn't teach them how to do it and like how to do it correctly and how to do it with effort and enthusiasm and Mm -hmm. all these, you know, different things that again, will translate later into life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So transitioning into, you know, you talked about kind of you talking about your business and starting your business. I would love to know, you know, what that journey, what that process was like to get a gym, because I know I'm sure that was a very challenging aspect of growing your business. Yeah, so for me personally, it was like a three-year journey to get to that. I knew as soon as I started training, when I was training at other facilities, I didn't like the fact that I had to organize my entire business and I can operate based on some other gym schedule. So like, hey, we only have the gym three to five today or hey, you can't train this weekend because we have an AAU tournament. Like for me, that just really pissed me off. So I was like, I need to be able to have complete control over my business. So I knew, okay, I'm coming to train. I'm making this money so I can get my own gym. So I can have that control. So I can have more opportunities provided to me by having my own gym. So I was training for about three years, pretty much at the same exact spot. Five, six, seven days a week sometimes. I was training on side courts when they had AAU tournaments, kids screaming, kids throwing the ball onto my court, trying to come on, shoot. I'm like, hey, kicking them off. Like sneaking into YMCA's. I did literally everything. Sneaking into my old high school where the lights wouldn't even turn on. We were training in the dark. Did everything. But the whole time I'm like, I'm saving every dollar that I can so I can put this to my gym. Now, COVID happened. So I had some a good amount of money saved up. COVID happened and then they a new owner came into the facility that I was at and they're like, Hey, we're jacking the prices up for rent. This is how it's gonna go. No ifs, ands, or buts. We kind of control you. So I was like, I'm not taking that shit. Like, no way. So I was like, you know what? COVID, perfect opportunity to try to look for a gym. I found a couple of different spaces. The space that I got wasn't great, kind of run down, uh, kind of funny. So one of my uh, one of my mentors, I, I was like, hey, can you come check out the gym? See what you think. And he came in and he was like, don't do it. <laughs> and for me, I'm like, all right, like he knows something that I don't like. But I was like, I kept thinking on it, kept thinking. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm doing it anyways. Like, would have cost me a lot more money. Not a great time. Literally signed the lease June 2020, three months, four months after COVID. Like, peak chaos. But I'm like, you know what? I believe in myself. I, I can adapt to any situation. I'll figure it out. Boom. Signed the lease. Figured it out. Made it work. And then, obviously, I had my own gym. And I've had it for about two and a half years now. So, it's been going pretty well. Definitely can't complain. Was 100% smart decision. 100% good time to do it. So glad I bet on myself. Yeah, no, that's really cool because I know I share the same thing. You know, I don't know what it's like, you know, in, in Massachusetts, although I'm sure the winter is even more challenging. I know a lot of times because I'm outside a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, going to different parks and sometimes, you know, some the LA parks technically like they don't allow you to technically, you know, train. So and then finding a gym, right? It's so competitive. Every, everyone yep. wants to get in the gym, but you don't get that consistency what, that you're talking about because, you know, you know, when I was working for a different company, um, we would have, you know, certain, you know, nights, every, every 
you know, Tuesday we were training. Well, if that mm-hmm. school had a game, then that affected a certain class, right? And mm-hmm. so you just don't have that control over it. So that's really cool that you kind of, you know, were able to do that. And did you, you know, kind of raise funds or was it mostly just, you know, saving from your business prior? Yeah, so it was just all saving, just used all my own money. So it was only a half court, but I mean, overall it cost me like 50 grand. So my main goal originally was I was trying to buy a, a real estate property first. And then, so I had all the money saved up for that, but then COVID hit and the gym came. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take that opportunity and do that first. Um, so yeah, I just used all my own money. I could have raised funds. I could have got investors, but I was like, you know what? If I can do it all with my own money and just have complete control and not take out loans and be able to sleep at night, a hundred percent would rather do that. So yeah, keeping it in house, you know, making sure, yeah, you keep that equity, that control, that financial freedom that I'm sure that, you know, probably something that you wanted as you, you know, pursuing this and um you know what kind of courage did it take and what kind of like you know because i'm sure i don't don't know what your you know your circle of influence is like here like the thoughts are going in your head where you're just like i'm going for it i'm going to do it like i have no ifs ands or buts if i fail that's fine yeah i mean i had a pretty good circle around me at that time and i knew like i just i just know what i'm capable of like and i know no matter what i can figure it out i knew at the time based on where my like how my business was doing at that time that this would be a big jump and it'd bring me a lot of opportunities, which it definitely did. Like if I didn't have my own gym, I wouldn't be on these podcasts. My training business wouldn't be where it is. Like but for me, I just knew like I'd rather take a risk and fail than not. Like I would much rather try to go for everything than just be fucking average forever. Like so I was like, I'd rather do this and just completely mess it up and just never train again than to sit back and train out of other people's gyms and have people tell me what to do. So I was like, you know, I had no hesitation about it. I knew it was the right decision. I weighed all the pros and cons, journaled about it, thought about it, consulted, but ultimately like no one was going to tell me different. Like even if people told me, no, don't do it. It's not smart. I know what I'm capable of. So I was just like, I'm hundred percent all in. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. You went for it. And, and like you said, now you're here and obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you've been growing, grow, growing on social media, which I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, has, has helped with these, you know, different opportunities with, you know, how I found you and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that journey, you know, going from, you know, when you started training in high school and in college to, to now and having your own gym, you know, do you ever like look back and reflect and are just like, wow, like I was able to accomplish this, like I was able to do this. And, and this is what I really hope to inspire for, for the, you know, the youth that I'm training. Yeah, it's, it's definitely really cool. Like one thing that one frame of reference that I try to use, and I think a lot of people can take value from is like, what would your 12 year old self think of you? Like if my 12 year old self or 16 year old self could meet me now and know what I'm doing, like, they'd be like, yo, that's dope. Like, good for you. Like, that's sweet. Like they look up to me, you know what I mean? So that's like kind of always what I want to do. And like, I hope that my 30 year old self, like, or my current 24, 24 year old self looks up to my 30 year old self. So always just trying to take that frame of reference and be like, make sure you're living right. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're working a nine to five now and you have these dreams and aspirations in five, six years, and you look back and you're like, ah, I don't think like, I'm not proud or you can look forward and be like, if I'm doing this in five years, would I be proud of myself? And if the answer is no, then you got to change something. So like, for me, I just knew like, Hey, my, my 12 year old self, my 16 year old self would be proud of where I'm at now. So I'm, I'm doing something right. You know what I mean? So it's a good frame of reference for me. I think to look back and reflect on that, but obviously I always want to keep pushing and do more. So. 
Yeah, I love that. So what is, you know, kind of, you know, channeling, you know, fourth quarter energy, what is, you know, kind of the next steps that you are hoping to take, you know, your training business to? And also, you know, this is a side note question that just kind of popped up is like, how have you, you know, transitioned to also doing online training? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm trying to take things a little bit more is really expand the online just because, you know, I have a lot of followers in a lot of different places. So if I'm just doing in person stuff, I'm not able to help as many people as I possibly can. So really trying to provide a lot of good opportunities online for people to train with me, and then obviously continuing to expand the in person. So that's kind of the two like main areas of my business where it's the online stuff, programs, kind of mentorship, consulting, and then the in person where it's the gym, in person training, having other trainers renting out the facility. So the goal in terms of the facility is to open up another facility, preferably like I have a written out drawn example of exactly what I want my next gym to look like, at least in this area, and then hopefully open another gym or invest in other gyms for people. So say like you wanted to open a gym and you're like, Hey, I need a little bit of funding, be able to kind of be an investor, kind of be a consultant in terms of you opening, running your own gym, all that kind of stuff. And just have like an ownership piece and have a couple of other gyms across the country that I'm helping people do. And then the online is just continuing to expand, have the biggest reach possible um, and just maximize that. So, yeah, I love that. Obviously, you know, your big thing is, you know, impacting the game and just being able to give that back and mm -hmm. really provide as much value as you can. And, and that's what leads to a successful business. That's what leads to impact on people that, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully they'll go on and, you know, bridging impact is all about literally hoping to bridge impact to them so they can bridge impact to the next generation. And exactly. I really love the mission, the mission that you're on. And, um, I, really excited for, you know, what's to come for you. I'm curious, you know, for the, you know, last, last couple of minutes, what would your, your last, you know, kind of piece of advice be for, you know, either, you know, young trainers or even young athletes that are, you know, inspiring something greater and, you know, having their own gym one day, whatever that gym is, you know, for them and their goals. Um, I mean, I, I would always just say, just kind of take the, the frame of reference, like I was saying, like, what would your younger self think of you? Like, what are your real dreams deep down? Not what like society tells you, not what you think you should be doing, but like, what do you actually want to do? Like, if your whole dream is to just be able to draw every single day and make art, like, how can you reverse engineer your life so that you can do that? Like, and just try to eliminate all of the constructs that society will put on you you should do this, you should be making this money, you should be living here, this is how how you should be living your life, like try to eliminate as much of that as you possibly can. Because a lot of people are going to tell you what you should be doing. And like, if you can just live as true to your life as you possibly can, I think that's the best way to do it. So figure out the life that you want to live, where do you want to live? Who do you want to live with? What do you want to do on a da daily basis? And then just try to reverse engineer exactly how you want to get there. And don't worry about what people are going to think. Because I think the funniest thing is like, most people deep down, it's, it's natural. We, we kind of do things based on what people are going to think about us. It's the tribe mentality where it's hardwired in our brain. But like at the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be thinking, oh, this person thought about thought this about me when you're 90 years old. Like that's just not going to happen. So it's like, what would your 80 year old self regret and make sure you don't regret that? Like for me, I just took a, a trip to Europe and I just went completely by myself. Like when I'm 80 years old, I'm going to look back and be like, I'm glad I did that. Like, I don't have the money that I spent anymore, but who fucking cares? Like, I have the memories. I'm going to be like, that was dope. So, like, what would your 80-year-old self think when you're sitting in a rocking chair? What would what do you want your life to look like looking back? 
and then make sure you do that. There's no better way to put it. I appreciate your time today, Tyler. Where can people find you and find your content and hey, maybe even train with you as well? Yes, you can find me at TGL Training on Instagram. You can find me at tgltraining.com and at TGL Training on YouTube. So that's where I post all my content. You can email me. I have my email on my website. So if you have any questions, reach out. And then if you want to train, you can also find that on the website as well. Appreciate that. Thanks for sharing your wisdom today, Tyler. Oh my God, you know, a couple pages of notes and it's right. been, you know, a real big, you know, inspiration for me as someone who's, you know, trying to follow in your footsteps. So I appreciate everything. Absolutely. That Thanks for, for having me. Yeah, of course. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast. We'd love it if you would like, subscribe, leave a comment and a review on whatever platform you're on. It's the best way to help us grow. We appreciate you for doing that. We'll shout you out on social media. I'd also love if you connected with me on social media. Let me know your thoughts. And this is why I do it. I want to share knowledge and wisdom from experienced leaders to people like yourself and myself so we can have this dialogue and move forward, make an impact on the world. So stay tuned, stay subscribed. Cheers.